الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن بك ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا اما بعد الحمد لله ريسبكتد علماء لسنز اوف فرق الصحابه اند اول ذا مسلم كوميونتي نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم سيدنا حديث اتقوا الله وصلوا خمسكم وصوموا شهركم وادوا زكاه اموالكم واطيعوا امراءكم تدخلوا جنه ربكم and this hadith nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam first injunction is ittaqullah to fear allah have the hope of allah have the consciousness of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our heart and then next to that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says wasallu khamsakum and read your five times daily salah wasumu shahrakum and fast in the month of ramadan wa addu zakat amwalikum and discharge the zakat of your wealth wa addu zakat amwalikum allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning charity not only zakat and let us go back to say salah from zakat we will see that our charity has to be discharged then we go to salah this salah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made such a system for us that if we don't have our salah in order nothing in our life will be in order and in order to reach salah we need the khashya of allah the consciousness of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our life today everybody is looking at messages they pick up their phones they try to read the messages looking for emails looking for messages on whatsapp but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put so many messages in the quran which we neglect and most of us muslims today we have downloaded the quran uh, from an app onto our phone but we do not open that quran to read the messages these a'mal that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us has certain requirements and the reason that Muslims today are not getting the joy from their ibadah i am alluding to one factor and that is the protection of the gaze so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us for taqwa allah commanded us for salah for zakah for fasting for hajj we do many 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 actions but the thing is that we fail to get the proper enjoyment of this these actions because of the ro- lowering of our gaze every time some person passes we look at any ghair mahram woman more than one then what happens is there is some poison that comes into our heart and this poison affects the beauty and the pleasure that we find in ibadat that is why we can find even people that are reading a lot of salah they are fasting they are making ibadat 
but you will still find them perpetrating this act of not luring unlawful gazes and the reason for this is because every other act that we do involves somebody else meaning if we lie we have to lie to someone about someone if we make riba we make riba about someone to someone and if we swear we cheat we rob we steal even up to the the stage where a person makes zina he has to make with someone but when it comes to the act of unlawful gazes we steal a gaze and nobody knows it and we find that we have some get some enjoyment out of this and the reason that i have chosen this is because it is one of the most um common sins in our society and we take it for granted when a sin becomes a norm in society then people do not regard it as a sin anymore like previously when we were younger then for persons a boy spoke to a girl that was like the ultimate today they can do as much haram as they want and then it's normal because people accepting it in society so the unlawful casting of the gaze it affects the heart just as we look after our outer body we have to eat when we get hungry when we are sick we visit the doctor so too our ruh our spirit and our inner self needs nourishment needs attention needs medication the zikr of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we realize just as islam has emphasized and encouraged the imbibing of righteous qualities and adorning oneself with acts of distinction so in the same way islam also strongly stress the need to abstaining and saving oneself from evil and devious traits and also acts of transgression islam in this light has prohibited lewdness inequity shamelessness all forms of promiscuous promiscuous behavior and premarital relations Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has given us everything free of charge and he has given us also the the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us um Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam as the true guide so if we want to be successful we have to be following Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam in every single way there was a story that i'd like to mention to you and this story comes during the time of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam when nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam this, this is actually a hadith in bukhari sharif and it is preserving one's chastity Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam had sent a letter inviting the Caesar of Rome and at that time the Caesar Caesar was visiting Baytul Maqdis and he was fulfilling some vow that he had taken previously 
Therefore, this letter was conveyed through him, uh, to him through an intermediary. And that was the governor of the city of Basra. Basra, as you know, is one of the cities of Sham. When this letter reached him, he started inquiring about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the personality of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. As he himself was a great scholar of the previous scriptures. And he was well aware of the signs of the final prophet. At that time, there were only two great Christian scholars, probably you didn't know. One being the chief pontiff of the time and the other was Hercules. Nevertheless, when the letter of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reached him, before reading the letter, he wanted to familiarize himself with the sender of the letter. And then he would ascertain the value of the person sending the letter and the value of the contents of the letter. Therefore, he advised the people to find out more regarding this person, meaning Rasulullah and anyone knowing about him or anyone that is in his vicinity should be brought forward. And then Coincidentally, Abu Sufyan and his entourage was passing through that area at the time. And Abu Sufyan at that time had not yet become Muslim. And in fact was the leader of the kuffar, of the opposing forces of Makkah. He, together with his companions, they were summoned in the presence of Hercules and they were asked regarding Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They were also advised to give clear-cut answers. And his companions, that means the companions of Abu Sufyan, were cautioned that they must speak exactly what they have written. So Hercules, he posed a question. What does this prophet instruct you to do? That was the first thing he asked. They responded by saying, He calls upon us to worship one Allah and that we should not worship anyone besides Him. We should not ascribe anyone as partners to Him. And he further says, Well, he promotes the following four acts of virtue. Now, we have to bear in mind, these are kuffar. These are kuffar. And not, they, they were not just kuffar, but they were the opposing forces of Baqir, of Haq. So they were actually the enemies of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the kafir is saying that he imbibed, uh, he encouraged us to imbibe four acts. Number one is the performance of salah. Number two is to maintain honesty in all our matters. Number three is to preserve our chastity, safeguard ourselves from all acts which are shameless and indecent. And number four 
is to establish family ties. I am bringing you to the point where even the enemy of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he realized that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, from the four of major acts, he has cited one of them as to safeguard ourselves from all acts of shamelessness and indecency. The reason being Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam knew that this is a secret ingredient in gaining the true ecstasy of one's ibadat. You will find many people reading the salah, old people, but they still cannot move away from this lowering of the gaze. They are always stealing a glance. And you will find they are not shameful in this act of haram, which is done very commonly. And all people are put into one group when it comes to this act. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, وَلَا تَقْرَبُ zina." Do not even go near zina. As we all know that the eyes are the windows of the soul. And everything that is done today is done to please our eyes. If we look previously, there were no, there were no TV, there was no cell phone, there were no... Um, tablets, there were no laptops. So, it was difficult if we didn't see someone passing, then for us we could have made parda and we could have guarded our gazes. Now, every single time you pick up your cellular phone, you pick up the tablet, you pass by a shopping mall, you pass by a shop, you will find they have (coughs) scantily uh, dressed women who are advertising for vehicles, who are advertising for every single thing. And this is to attract our gaze towards that and not necessarily selling the vehicle or not necessarily promoting an item, but promoting promiscuity, which Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam advised us and warned us against. And this is why I always tell my students, that I fail to understand that a 30-second advert on TV that promotes something on special has such an effect on the brain that a person gets off his seat, leaves his home, and goes immediately to buy it. Yet, another, uh, the same person can watch another program of haram, of zina, for hours on end and feels that it will not have an effect on his body. So, and his mind. So, these things are preconceived notion by the kuffar that if we watch these things then now or later we will have these acts rolled out or we will try to do something similar to this which shaitan loves and we were reading an ayat the other day and shaitan says I am free from you on the day of qiyamah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call all the people and then the kuffar will blame shaitan. And shaitan in turn will say, Ma ana bimusrikhakum wa ma antum bimusrikhi. I have no authority over you, neither do you have authority over me. Ana bari'um minkum, I am free from you. So, fala talumuni. That is what he is saying. He is saying, don't blame me. 
walumu and pusakum blame yourself allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you a mind allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you aql allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you a thought process for every single thing you show intelligent but when it comes to the obeying obeying the commandments of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then we find that our intelligence is distorted allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so perfect allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so perfect i was reading the other day in the ruh in the soul of the son of adam alayhi salam and ibn al-qayyim al-jawzi rahimahullah wrote in his kitab al-fawaid that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so perfect that in one ruh in the soul allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put the pride of iblis in that same soul allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put the jealousy of qabil the son of adam alayhi salam the insolence of the people of ad the tyranny of the people of Samud, the audaciousness of Namrud, the arrogance of Fir'aun, the wrongdoing of Qarun, the trickeries of the people of Sabit, the rebelliousness of Al-Walid, the ignorance of Abu Jahal, and the impudence of Haram. The soul of man also has many characteristics of animals. He has the avarice of a crow, the gluttony of a dog the display of a peacock the filth of a hog the malice of a camel the predatory nature of the lion the venom of the snake the frivolity of the ape the greed of the ant and he also has the deception of the fox now the rigid training of this roof exercises these conditions however if one allows any of these traits to prevail one then becomes akin to the cursed to the cursed one by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they are even worse than animals so we as insan have to train our ruh to abstain from these harams and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purchased our lives inna allaha ashtara min almu'minina anfusahum wa amwalahum bi anna lahum jannah and the wealth for jannah so this ruh actually this body does not belong to us it is on loan to us from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we cannot do what we wish to do with this ruh with this body that is why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made tattooing of the body haram and piercing all over your body haram because this body is a loan from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is just a vehicle for the ruh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this body so this body in turn must be in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if this body is not in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then definitely it's in the obedience of shaitan and shaitan like I told you said that he is free so you cannot blame shaitan. Because shaitan is clearly saying in Quran that he is not to be blamed and he does not have any authority over the believers or any person for that matter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in Quran Indeed we have prepared jahannam for many jinnat and insan. Why is this? Because they have hearts in which they don't understand. 
and they have eyes which they don't see. Walum adhanu la yusma'una biha. They have ears which they don't hear. Ula'ikakal an'am. They are like animals. Balhum adal. Nay, they are more astray, they are lower. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that us insan, we have the characteristics of malaika. That's malaika la ya'asun Allah ma'amaru ma'ifaluna ma'yukmaroon. So we believe and we know that angels, they do not disobey the command of Allah. And whatever they are commanded, they uh, carry it out. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them aqal, understanding to listen to the command and carry it out. Insan has been given the characteristic of listening to the command. Then on the other hand, we have animals where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created them with desire but without aql. So he has created them, they have the desire, they fulfill the desire but no aql. And he has created angels with aql, with intellect but no desire. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created insan with aql and with shahwa, with intellect and with desire. So if insan can control his nafs, insan can control his gaze, lowering of the gaze. And this, these qualities of greed, of enmity, of hatred, of all these things that we have, if insan can control it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise him higher than the angels. But if, and that is allowing the apple to overpower the shahwa, the intellect to overpower the desire. If the same insan allows his desire to overpower his apple, that means his desire to overpower his intellect, then he will be lower than the animal and more astray than the animal. So the reason that we stop ourselves from being reformed and corrected is that we have hubbul jah. Hubbul jah means the love of fame. Nobody wants to be corrected and pointed out, do like this, you did this, why don't you do this? You are too arrogant, you are too proud. Nobody, because of hubbul jah, the love of fame, who are you? I know what I am. Today, everybody, wallahi, they are eye specialists. Speaking about the eye and lowering the gaze, they are eye specialists. Why I'm saying they are eye specialists? Because I did this, I did that. They do everything. So all the attributes are only to them. None is made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is our problem today, that we don't attach everything to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The way that we can eradicate ourselves from this unlawful glance is carry on making the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and carry on reminding ourselves. Our ruh, our soul always tells us the inside, take one glance, take one glance, take one glance. Even if somebody is passing you and you never intended to look, you see, you tell yourself that, you know what, I am allowed one look, so you turn and look. It's similar to a person that just drinks poison by mistake. Whether it's by mistake on purpose, it will still have an effect on the body. Like that, this glance has an effect on the ruh. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Inna That indeed, good deeds, they wipe out evil actions. So what, what we should do is continue doing good deeds. 
lot of people, Muslims at large, they read Quran, they read Salah, but this glance, it takes them away. When you are looking at something, when you are looking at Baytullah, then you get the feeling of peace. You know you're getting reward. You got this awe that you are standing in front of the Baytullah. And all clean and pure thoughts come to you. When you got this glance, the ruh is such that it carries on pricking you. You can be in salah, you'll be thinking about the face that you have seen. If you saw something on your phone, when you're in reading Quran, that will come to your mind. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Say unto the believers that they should lower their gazes and protect their private paths. That is a means of greater purity and chastity for them. So, if a person wants to gain the closeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he should protect his private parts. I have one story to share with you. And after the story, I will conclude. The story is about one youngster by the name of Sa'laba. And it is a lengthy narration. And the narration is from Jabir radiallahu anhu. And Jabir radiallahu anhu says that there was a young man. He was from the Ansar. And he was called Sa'laba bin Abdul Rahman. He became a Muslim and he was a young boy, probably not more than 16, 16 years old. And he used to serve Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he used to send him on errands. And once he sent him on an errand to do some work for him, and he passed by a door. Now, if we look at the houses of Makkah in the time of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they were just like our normal huts that we have today, mud-built with uh, dead palm leaves, and the door of the house was open. <coughs> there was a woman that was making a hustle, and of course they didn't have bathrooms like we have bathrooms today. They had normal bathrooms, and the bathrooms were like uh, a curtain used to block these bathrooms, and the wind blew, or it was a breeze, and it lifted the curtain, and Sa'laba's gaze fell on this woman making ghusl. And after he looked at her, then he became very scared. And he thought that Wahi would come down to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he went out, and he ran away, and he came to an area between Makkah and Medina. Then he hid away there. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam missed him for 40 days. And these were the days when they said that his Lord has forsaken him, you know, and was displeased with him. Jibreel alayhi salam came down to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, O Muhammad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your Lord has conveyed his greeting and peace on you. And the man of your ummah who has fled is in these mountains. He is seeking refuge with me from my fire. That was what Jibreel is saying, that this Sa'laba is seeking refuge in Allah and from Allah's fire. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, O Umar, O Salman, go and bring Sa'laba bin Abdul Rahman to me. 
they went out to the streets of Medina where they met one of the shepherds of Medina whose name was Dufafa. Umar radiallahu anhu said to him, Oh Dufafa, do you know anything about a young man in these mountains? Dufafa said to him, Perhaps you are looking for one who is fleeing from hell. Umar radiallahu anhu said to him, How do you know that he is fleeing from hell? He said, Because in the middle of the night he came out to us from these mountains with his hands on his head saying, Would that you took my soul as you took the other souls and my body as you took the other bodies and not expose me on the day of judgment. Umar said, he is the one we are looking for. So to cut the long story short, Umar went and fetched him and then he came to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he was very scared, so Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam advised him that he should read Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar Oh Allah, give us in this world that which is good and in the hereafter that which is good and save us from the hellfire. He said, my sin is too great, O Messenger of Allah. Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, that the word of Allah is greater. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam instructed him then to go home. Then he went home and he felt sick for eight days. Salman radiallahu alayhi wa came to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, Oh Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Oh Rasulullah, do you want to visit Sa'laba? Because he is sick. And we know the virtue of visiting the sick. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam immediately said, let us go to him. When he came to Sa'laba, the messenger of Allah وسلم, took hold of his head and placed it on his lap. Sa'laba moved his head from the lap of Rasulullah. Rasulullah asked him why. He said, because my head is too full of sin. Then, Nabi وسلم, asked him, uh, told him, verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends salam to you. And told him that if the slave of mine, if this slave of mine, of course, Sa'laba were to meet me with the earth full of sin, I would meet him with a similar measure of forgiveness. Then Nabi wasallam said, should I not tell, you, uh, tell him about that? He said, yes, indeed. So the messenger of Allah wasallam told him. And he gave a shout. And after that, he passed away. When he was asked, how do you feel? He says, like, he feels like ants are crawling between his flesh and his bones. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave the instruction that he should be, a ghusl should be made and then his coffin should be put and offered the janazah salah for him. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he attended his janazah, then he said, the sahaba saw him tiptoeing. So they asked him, why is he tiptoeing? So then he said, because of the so many angels who came down to accompany the funeral procession of Sa'laba radiallahu anhu. We can look at the great fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that these Sahaba had. That even one glance, and then they feared that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would destroy them. Today, how many glances we give? And we don't care about it. How much haram we see on TV. We don't 
even think twice about it. Our children are sitting and watching this behayai with us. People that are on the screen are taking alcohol, making zina, music, all this we are allowing in our houses. So if we can do that, we are actually bringing our children up to make them think that this is fine. This topic is so lengthy that we haven't even touched the introduction on this topic. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to act upon what we have heard. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us such taqwa. Such taqwa that we must not tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how big our problem is. A person, understand me, a person must have such a taqwa that he must not tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how big his problem is. He must tell his problem how big is Allah is. Wa akhru da'wana alhamdulillah rabbil alameen.